Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Man, I'm telling you, I'm excited. How many people, we're in 2020, 2020, right? 2020, is that right? 2021, crap, what happened to 2020? Gone. No, 2021, we're the 10th day. Um, I was going to ask you, um, how's your 2021 doing? But man, we can do a lot of damage in 10 days, can't we? And so, no, we're not. We're in a series called Habits. If you're new to Journey, uh, we started last week. Um, I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm excited. This is, and we, there's a kind of a joke around here that every series is my new favorite series, but this is my favorite series or one of my favorite series because it's dealing with a topic, not just habits, but today and next week are going to be dealing with a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. It's something that I believe in. It's something that 30 years ago changed my life. And so we're going to be talking about the church. We're going to talk about community and the habits that we build in our community. And while researching for this, I came across something, and I want to put a disclaimer out real quick. Um, when, I, when I say these things, I'm going to say in a few minutes, I don't have any other church in mind. I'm not bashing another church. It has nothing to do with another church. But years ago, there was this uh, publication that came out, and it was talking about habits of, of uh, highly ineffective or miserable they actually use the term miserable, uh, habits of miserable churches. And I happened to go through, and it was, it was hard to find on the internet, but I actually found it in some old notes from a class that I took years and years and years ago. And I was just thinking about this. You know, there is some bad habits. There's lots of, and, and we can kind of pinpoint like this is that, and you may even go like, that was the church of my, don't do that. Just, just kind of big picture, kind of see what I'm trying to say here in a minute. So it's not about a church. It's not about, you know, a church down the road. It's not about Pentecostals or it's not about Methodists. It's just about, there's just observation about the churches. And these are some of the habits. There's 14 of them. I may hit, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them, but 14 habits is what's called highly miserable churches. The first one is, think about this in our culture real quick. Be afraid, create fear, anxiety, and poor mouth. Remind your people week after week about the things that are bad and getting worse. And when offering isn't good, remind them that they don't give because they're ungrateful. Spend as much time as possible talking about offering each week. Talk about everything the church needs but can't afford and have a thermometer on the stage that tells how much they gave last week. I could have titled this things you will not see at Journey, right? Like this is what you're not, but that was one of the habits that negative churches, just miserable churches, churches that aren't having an impact. Another one is practice sustained boredom. Now, I don't think that happens around here because week after week, I am waiting for Justin or, or Jordan to stage dive off this stage. So practice sustainable Jordan. This is off the stuff. Last week, third service, if you've never been to third service, it's our most energetic service. We have the, the, probably the least amount of people, but it is highly energetic. And Jordan was standing on this side right here. Jordan is uh, one of our new hires. And Jordan got so far over the edge, I was standing. I'm like, he's coming, he's coming. And so, but here's practice sustainable boredom. Do the same thing in worship week after week. Follow the same order. Preach the, the same predictable format. Okay, here's another one. Give your church a negative identity in the world that they live in. Think about that. Make sure the community knows what you're against, everything you're against. And make sure guests know that they're only guests, they're not one of the group. Wow. That's, that, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Especially what we talk about here all the time about being a value of making sure that everybody feels like they're welcome. Here's another one. Number four is pick fights. I don't need to say anything more about that, do that. It's funny. It's funny. Right now, if you go on any social media outlet, you can, you can figure out who's for what, who's not for what. You can figure out who's the one that's trying to pick fights, who's not trying to pick fights, who's trying to figure out what the rest of this crazy world, you know, it's right there, pick fights. 
Um, attribute bad intentions. Make sure your congregation knows um, those who are differing views and fundamentally bad people. So anybody that's different, especially when it comes to politics. Isn't that crazy? That's happening more and more and more. And then it says this, make sure that they know that any elected official, and it's in quotations, from the other team is a negative, there's a negative connotation, and we will not pray for that person. Uh, this, is my, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite. Whatever you do, Actually, this is not my favorite one. Here's my favorite one. Blame your pastor or a former pastor or a previous staff person or your parents or your government. Blame anybody you want to blame. Just never take responsibility for your own actions. Miserable churches. As I was going through them, I mean, there's more. There's don't enjoy life's pre, pre, you know, pleasures. Glorify the past. I love it when people come to our on-ramp. This happened in two weeks ago. Well, that's not the way we used to do it at the other church. Well, then go back to the other church then. There's a reason that you're, you're checking us out because something wasn't working back then. And on and on. Put, put people in leadership who have no business being in leadership. And then the last one is be critical. Make sure that everyone, let everyone know about everything you don't like. After all, you don't want anyone to confuse you with one of those positive churches. Habits. And these are negative habits. And I'm going to tell you, as I was reading them, I was thinking, I know friends that go to churches like this. I know friends that pastor church. I know friends that are exactly like that. And I still call them friends. And it didn't make me think, and I, I, we could go down the, you know, the checklist like, okay, so we don't do this, we don't do this. We can get pretty proud of ourselves. But I think it's more important that we go down the checklist. What are we doing? What are the good habits that we have at Journey? What are the things that we're doing that are right? What are the things that we need to kind of build off of? What are the things that, that are working? What are the things that God is pleased with? What are the things that are going to take us exactly where we need to go? And over the series, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot. It's the one degree. And what happens is we get one degree off right here. But before you know it, five years, 10 years. And, and I said this last week, your habits, whether good or bad, have taken you to this moment in time right now. Whether you like where you're at, if you like where you're at, it's because you've probably had some good habits. If you don't like where you're at, it's probably because there's some bad habits going on. I realized that, that all of us have those things. We actually looked at defining what a habit is. Defining habit is a thing done often and hence usually done easily and acted as acquired. And I love this. This is my favorite part and has become automatic. It's something that we just do. And we said, okay, if our habits are bad, they're not working out. What does the Bible say about that? And we looked at Romans chapter 12, verse two, and it says, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind that we need to have a mind change. So if we don't like the direction, we need to have a mind change. If we, don't, if we don't like the direction that we're going with our health or our marriage or our ministry or our career, then maybe we need to have a mind change. Maybe we need to think about what's going on right up here. Titus chapter two says this, and I love the wording. It says, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine and at least list a whole bunch of stuff out. It's one of those things that it's a pattern. What's the patterns that you're developing your life? And so today and next week, we're going to do something really special next week. We're actually going to have three communicators, myself and Caleb and Will, um, Will Riddle, one of our new staff members. We're going, to have a, 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 we're going to kind of tag team our communication next week. We're going to talk about what community looks like at Journey. But I want to lay the platform for it today. I, I, want, I want to look at some habits at Journey that we need to keep having, that we need to make sure that we, we kind of kindle, that we, 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 keep pumping, you know, we keep pumping it up and say, this is a really good thing. And the first thing is this. We need to stay in the habit of gathering. And I mean, I mean, this is what this church, we need to be a church. It's interesting. If you're at Sherwood right now, we want to say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you welcome our Sherwood campus right now? But 
Alan reminded me something this morning, and we were actually talking in, in, in reference to something that happened in the golf tournament yesterday. I was watching the golf tournament, and one of the golfers said something very derogatory. And we don't realize, you know, the mic's on on us all the time. And if you're a coach or you're a teacher, the mic's on all the time. If, if you're, you know, doing literally the mic is on all the time when I walk up here. And there's always those moments that you kind of put yourself just into, you kind of put it in, just kind of drive, right? And you just kind of, and, and Alan said, well, it, it doesn't scare you at all that you don't know what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, all the time. And my wife is over there in fear too. Like, what is he going to say this time? Well, th- this guy said this, this thing yesterday. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, we need to make sure that we stay in heaven. We need to make sure, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, influence. We need to make sure that we're saying the right thing. We're doing the right things in our church. And one of the things I love about this staying in heaven and gathering, I love the way Hebrews chapter 10 says it. I want you to, verse 24, I'm going to, I'm going to refer to this at the very end of the message again, but I want you to kind of note some of the wording here. It says, and let us consider how to stir one another on to love and good works. How do we, how do we, how do we spur each other on? How do we do that? And then it says in 25, not neglecting to meet together. Some scriptures and some translations say, don't forsake the assembly of the righteous. That means getting together. That means don't forsake church as is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And what that means is like, keep doing what we're doing right here. And, and I know some of you are going, Bobby, you're preaching to the choir. I am preaching to the choir. You guys are here. Some people aren't here. But, and sometimes I forget that we have people that are halfway across the world that can't get here, that they're watching. And we have people down at Sherwood, they're watching. We have people over in the atrium, they're watching. And we had a great story. And I can't wait till this whole thing unpacks. But somebody shared a story with me Monday about somebody that, that came to one of our events. And they were there at one of our events. And they didn't even know, they don't even know this G like this. When, when they said the word Jesus, it was totally foreign to them. And, and sometimes we come into church thinking like everybody knows what we're talking about. Everybody knows when I say Noah's Ark or Moses or whatever it is. Well, not everybody in the world that we live in understands that. And we have a person that's visiting here, not visiting, they're, they're a friend of ours now, that they've been, they've been checking us out, but they got online. And, and sometimes I fail to remember that people are all the time gathering with us and not necessarily on campus. But for, for sake of today's conversation, I wanna talk about when we actually do this. And I wanna say something. Thank you for being here today. I, I know lots of people right now, there's lots of churches, there's lots of pastors that are wondering where everybody's at. And I turned around during worship and I looked out there and I had a tear in my eye. I was like, gosh, in the middle of just, okay, 2020 was crazy enough. But in the middle of this week, which was, it just kind of put the icing on the top of the crazy, right? I just thought, if there's ever been a time in the course of history for people to kind of go, you know something, forget it. It's not even worth it. It's right now. But I'm going to tell you, you guys are saying it's worth it. And I'm going to say thanks for being here. You could have chose to be, and you could have gone to St. Serta of the Mattress this morning. But you chose to be here, and I appreciate it. I really do. But, 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 but there's a reason we do this. We do this because we glorify God better when we do it together. God's design plan was us to be together. It goes back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. He looked at, Ab- uh, he looked at Adam. He created Adam. He said, man, it is good. It is really good. This is really good stuff. Nothing else. He said, he said this is good. But he said one thing. He said, I don't think it's good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. So the very beginning of time, there's been a sense of community. God wants community, not just with us and him, but he wants community on this side of eternity. It's an institution that he set up from the very beginning of time that we are created to do life together. It's interesting because every week we get to do this. And every week I hear stories about what God's doing in somebody's life. And I love standing here after service 
And I love hearing about the prayers that are answered. There's things that happen in this, this moment, this experience, whether it's here or Sherwood or online, there's things that happen that will not happen anywhere else. Anywhere else. Make sure we're doing this. I love the way the psalmist writes in Psalms 122. He says this, I was glad when they said to me, and I love this line. This is kind of a churchy line, but I love this line. It says, let us go to the house of the Lord. That man. So this past week, um, I came in contact with somebody, and, I, and I'm good, okay? I came in contact with So I got put in timeout. And I don't like timeout. I didn't do timeouts when I was a kid. I'd rather get a whooping than get a timeout. Somebody say amen to that. All right? And uh, I got put in timeout. And I don't do, people think I'm crazy when I say this. I, 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 am, a, I am an introvert. I love being by myself. Like, I, love, I love going to the lake and being on the boat by myself. I love playing golf by myself. I love sitting in the deer stand by myself. I love reading by myself. Yesterday, Gina went out and I was working on the message. So, and, and my dog, thankfully, got saved this, uh, yesterday. So you can say amen to that because she raised her paw. I said at the end of this message. And so I was listening to um, a, re- a record, um, vinyl, and I was listening to it and I was sitting there. And I was sitting at the counter and I was just like, I am so, I'm at peace right now. There's, there's not a lot of chaos. But, but I realized something when I got put in time out that I need to be around people. And, and I could not wait. You know what the big thing, like I, I want to keep my wife safe and I want to keep our staff safe and, I, and do all the things we need to do. But you know my biggest is I couldn't bear to think that I couldn't be here on a Sunday morning hanging out with you guys. Just, just doing life together. Just praying for one another, hearing the stories, talking football, talking about your new job, whatever it is. And the thought of it, I can't believe, I can't believe that because of COVID, like I almost didn't get a chance to come here this week. It's one of those deals where it, there's something in us. I think it's a God-designed void in our lives that we're supposed to be with each other. I, I love the way, and I, and I learned this, I don't know if you, and anybody ever, um, like anybody ever cook out? You all have a grill out with like little, like, do you ever put like all the little, so I had a, I had a learning lesson um, this, this a couple weeks ago. Um, my wife came to me, we have the fire pit out back. Gina came to me and said, we have this ant, uh, ant pile. Like, like, I don't know where you live, but I live out in the country now and we have ant piles everywhere. Well, this one got into our, our fire pit and it was on both sides of the fire pit. It was on the outside and the inside and it got real high. And I put, we put, we tried all the, we're going to be eco-safe and we're going to put all the, you know, we're going to put the dish water down there and all that. None of that crap works, but anyway. So, so I take a shovel and I, I do the mound thing and the next day it's like double the size. And I don't want to exaggerate because preachers have this kind of MO of being exaggerated, but it was this high off the ground. It was really, really high. And so I, I said, you know, what are we going to do? So we tried borax and we tried all that kind of just, I did what every man that's worth his salt of being a man did. I took, what did you say? I burned it. I took fire to it. So I took gas, okay? And I, I'm, I'm glad to say that my eyebrows have now grown back. But I took gas and I poured it on both sides. It was on either side. And I took a match. And the first thing my wife said, what was that explosion out there? I was like, it's all good, babe, right? But there was some fire, there was some uh, sticks in there from the last fire pit. And I realized something, and it's really a spiritual concept. He was just kind of give me half a second and, and give me a little bit of like just liberty here. Every time I pulled the, 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 a stick away from where that, that fire was, every time I pulled away, the stick would go out. But when I put the stick back that was burning, I put it back on the other sticks, it lit right up. It's kind of like a charcoal briquette. If you, if you leave them in that pile, you can cook stuff with them. As soon as you pull them away, it starts to, a matter of time, it starts to go out. 
And I'm sitting there with this, this flame that's shooting. I mean, we had helicopters coming in, dumping water. That's how high the flame was. But so I'm sitting there and I have this moment and I'm going, that's us. Do, do you know when we're together, we are way better? You know, you know when we're together, the flame burns? And you know what? I've said this to people time and time again. And I have a friend of mine and, and he used to come to Journey and I'm praying that he comes back one day. But because of COVID, he says, you know what I realized? I don't need church. And I'm like, you're dead wrong. And I said, and I said to him, and, and, and just to be, I said to him, you're, you're putting yourself in a really dangerous place because, because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst. And I know we can, do, we can do church on our own and I can sing in the woods and all that. But I can tell you, I don't sound nearly as good by myself as I do with you guys. And you don't either, by the way. But it's one of those deals. You make yourself vulnerable when you're by yourself. It's easier to get picked off by the enemy. And whether you believe that he's a devil or an antichrist or whatever you want to call him, I'm telling you, you are prone for disaster when you're by yourself. When you are in community, when two or three gather, when, when we're doing life together, you are more not prone. It's, it's interesting. I love the Ephesians chapter 416. It says, from whom, listen to this word picture, the whole body joined and held together by every joint. You know what it's saying right there? that we are joined together. There's things that you have that I don't have that we can't function unless we're doing it together. There's, there's gifts you have that you show up on Sunday mornings that I don't have. I can't play guitar like my brother does. I can't play drums like, dude, I can't play, you know, I can't sing like, like Lindsay or Justin. I can't do that, but I can do this. And as he said, when the body's fitly joined together, each one doing its part, we have this thing called church. And it goes on to say, it says, okay, so from which the whole body joined and held together, every joint, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It gets stronger. We're stronger when we're doing it together. Hey, interesting thing. We, I don't know if you've seen it. If you come to church, we have um, a family of geese, a whole flock of geese that has been landing out, out here in the field. So every time Ben, our, our guy that cuts our grass, every time he cuts a day or two later. And so the other day I was sitting out here and I didn't notice it. And it's the first time I noticed it. Um, my assistant shared a story and I was like, I'm gonna see if it's really true. Well, when the geese all got up, they circled around for a little while and they all got in a V formation. Do you ever see them fly in a V formation? Do you know there's science behind this? They are 71% more productive. They can, they can travel 71% more um, effectively and further when they fly in a V because the first one cuts the wind and the next one's down the line, there's an updraft that happens. And you'll literally see they flap their wings at different times for the air circulation. And if one starts to get tired, if the front one gets tired, what happens is the front one goes to the back of the line where it's the easiest and somebody else takes its spot. And when one of them is suffering, maybe it, it, it got hurt, it shot, whatever. It, it, when one goes down, watch this, two go down with it. And they literally stay with that goose until it's, it's rehabilitated or it passes away. And then if it's rehabilitated, all three of them fly and they get into another flock and they do the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what? That's the church. There's times where you get tired. There's times where I get tired. Back in January, I got tired. And I, front of the line, I've been, and it's funny. You know what they do when they, they try to spur each other? They honk. That's why they honk. They honk to go, come on, pick up the pace. Pick up the pace, pick up the pace. And I was realizing that, there were some people around me that were honking a little bit and I was tired and I needed to go to the back of the line for a little while. And then back after COVID, I came back to the front of the line. That's the church, y'all. That's the way we're supposed to operate. That's the way life is supposed to work. 
We need, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be as honest as I can be. There is times where all of us need solace and solitude, okay? There's times where we need to go off. Jesus went off and prayed, okay? Several times in scripture, Jesus went away to pray. But I'm gonna tell you what, he also spent time with his buddies. He hung out a lot with Peter, James, and John. They were the ones that he was close to. And then he would get with the other disciples. And then he was with the, the masses amounts of people. There's times where you, there's, but I'm telling you, by and large, we are better when we're doing life together. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Okay, here's the second thing. I want everybody to kind of get this one. As we're developing habits, we're developing new habits. We need to stay in the habit of having correct influences. And I want you to underline that if you're taking notes, correct influences. There's a, a phenomenon that's happened in the last, pretty much since social media kicked in. And I'm not, this is not anti, so just, just um, there used to be times where we would just say, well, that person's, they work for an advertising company. Or like, 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 I don't remember when I was growing up, like it, they would have athletes and they would be selling a product. So if the athlete sold the product is like, or was selling a product, you would want to have that product because if, if like whoever was on the Wheaties, like you want to buy Wheaties because whoever's on the Wheaties, y'all remember that? Well, now they have a name for it. It's called an influencer. And there's all kinds of people influencing. And it's amazing to me, the company that does the, um, the avocado dip, have y'all seen this commercial with Snoop Dogg? Anybody know who Snoop Dogg is besides me? I'm showing my age. I don't know. I can't even tell you one song. Actually, I can, but I can't tell you in church. <laughs> so, so he sells that avocado dip. What's the lady that he sells it with? Martha Stewart, right? It, it just goes to show that people that were in jail still can have a productive career afterwards. <laughs> but you know, they were, trying to sell, they were trying to sell this avocado dip and it wasn't selling. They were getting ready to take it off the shelf. And they said, well, let's give it a try and let's sell it as the green stuff. And you know what happened? 81% increase in the sales of this avocado dip because of one influencer named Snoop Dogg. During this last election, we saw it. This is not about teams right now, but we saw, we saw sports teams. We saw, we saw actors. We saw, act, we saw musicians that were endorsing certain candidates. And I literally had conversations with people. The only reason they were voting for that person was because this person endorsed them. They didn't know their politics. They didn't care about their politics. It's called an influencer. Now, I'm gonna say this. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know that it's a good idea that we just take somebody's word for it. We don't know their life. We don't, don't know what they're, as a matter of fact, that is such a gentle way of saying, I think that idea sucks. I think buying something because somebody says for you to buy it, I think to vote for somebody because somebody else tells you to vote for somebody, I think you're doing something because somebody else, I think it's a horrible idea. And I think that's what's probably wrong with our, our world right now. We're listening to all the wrong people. We're listening to people. I had a friend of mine that went up and I just found out about it yesterday. He actually went up this thing in DC. Now, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on on this, okay? What happened up there was awful, Okay lives, you know, just all that kind of stuff, okay? So this is not about politics. But he went up there, and I said, so why did you go up there? He goes, well, I went up there because I was doing a prayer rally. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty innocent. And he goes, can I just tell you something? He said, don't believe, you, don't believe everything you see on TV. He said, because I watched it, and I was exact, the exact place where they were showing footage, and some of that footage they were showing was from events that happened years ago. I'm like, oh, man. So who do I believe then? Right? I told, I, told, I told a guy, I played golf with him on 
Thursday, and he looked at me, and he's, he's fairly political. He's a military guy. He was way up there in the ranks. And he looked at me, and he's, uh, he goes, I'm, you're my pastor. What does my pastor think? And I said, I have no idea. I'm 55 years old. It's the first time in my life that I'm like, I... and then I went home, and I went, whoa, 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 whoa. I do have an idea. I'm just not going to listen to that idea. And so what are the things we allow to influence? Our... I think the very first thing we should allow to influence every decision, and I'll show my age right here. I remember the day when we used to wear bracelets that said WWJD on them. And it stood for what would Jesus do? And maybe we should go back. There. I don't need a bracelet. I don't need a tattoo that says it. But maybe we should just go back to going, you know something? The number one influencer in our lives as believers, if you're a believer, the number one influencer should be Jesus Christ. Amen. Above nothing else. Nothing else should take that place. Not a political party, not a president, not, not a spouse, not a kid, not a job. Nothing else should take that place. I love the way John says it. He says, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I've done. He says, I'm giving you the example. The example is me. And I think so many times we are looking at everybody else to be an influencer instead of going, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he love that person that's, that's under fire right now? I had a conversation this past week and you can disagree with me and I'll probably get myself in trouble right here. But they were talking about abortion being the number one killer above everything else. The number one killer in the world that we live in is abortion. The number two this year is COVID. And they said, what do you think Jesus would do with a woman after she's had an abortion? And I freaked him out because you know what I said? Right there with her, holding her hand, praying with her, telling her how valued she is. That's what Jesus would be doing. But if the world looks at the church, they think you're condemning, you're condemning. That's not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. The Jesus I read about bent down with a prostitute. And, 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 and everybody else was the one that was under fire. Whoever thinks they're without sin, you cast the first stone. There was another time a woman of the well had seven affairs, seven affairs. If anybody had the right to blast her, it was Jesus. And instead he loved her. That should be our influence, church. Not what somebody says on Facebook, not some backyard prophet, doom and gloom. What would Jesus do in this situation? And you know the way you figure that out? By reading his word. The second influence should be the Bible. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. My word. If you don't know about it, look it up in his word. If you don't know how to raise your kids, look it up in his word. If you don't know if that's right or wrong, look it up in his word. If you don't know if the marriage can make it or how to marry, look it up in his word. It's not... It's not as old-fashioned as everybody thinks it is. A third influence should be, and this is maybe one of the most important ones, is godly people. And I think it's really easy not to put godly people around us because we're afraid of what they may say. But I have two godly men in my life that I'm thankful for. Todd Hampson, who's one of our elders here, and Clay Colvin, who's one of our elders here. Two of my closest friends. And when I start to go one degree off, you know what they do? They kick me in the seat of my pants and say, come on, we need you. We need you strong right now. We need you to do this. We need you. Every Monday morning, these guys text me or I text them and go, what are we praying for this week? What are you struggling with this week? How can I pray for you? What's the things that you need to do in your life? We need to have godly people around us. We talked about it in the first part. When we're not around godly people, we're more susceptible to fall. I love what it says. Paul says this to Timothy, and we hear him writing this, or things like this multiple times. He says, I imitate 
He says, imitate me. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, I'm following Christ. And here's a question. Who do you have in your life that you're imitating? Who do you have in your life that, that's your influencer? Do we get all our facts off of TV or whatever? Are we getting our facts off of people that are godly and reading God's word and doing And, and, and here, here's the deal. I would say that they need to be able to be an arm's length from you too. I have a, I have a bunch of friends, but I have a friend that every time I, I bring up TV preachers, and I was like, that's not your pastor. And he goes, yo, I'll be Stephen Furtick's the best. He, he's, he's phenomenal. He's a great communicator. But he's not coming to your funeral. I'll be the one at your funeral. When your kids get married, you know, Stephen Furtick's not coming down. I'm coming down. I'm doing your kid's wedding. When you need counseling, Stephen's not coming down. You know who's coming down? I'm coming down. You need to be able to put people in your life, influence in your life that are arm's length, that you could call, that they could be at your house that fast, that are praying for you, that know you personally. Let me give you the third thing. And I, that's just, by the way, that has nothing against Stephen Furtick, okay? All right, we good on that? I wish I could wear skinny jeans like he does. You got skinny jeans on now? No. Fat people. Hey, here's another one. I'll give you another one. This is the last one. We'll close right here. We need to stay in the habit. Journey, hear me on this one. This is what makes my heart down. We need to stay in the habit of loving people. I say this all the time. That God loves you just the way you are. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. Jimmy loves you just the way you are with all your hurts and your habits and your hangups, with all the funny things that you say to me about, what do you call me, rabbi? You call me padre. He calls me padre. Every time I say him, hey, padre, I'm like, it's Bobby. You've known me for 40 years. It's Bobby. <laughs> How many people know, raise your hand, that God loves you just the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. But I say this, but he loves you too much to keep you right where you're at. Amen? Okay. So here's the deal. That should be this church. Just like God loves you just the way you are, we should love the people that walk through these doors just the way they are. I don't care what party they belong to. I don't care what color they belong to. I don't care. I had a young lady walk up to me and said that her best friend was watching online. She doesn't believe necessarily the way I believe on some things, but she wants a place that she can call home, that she can come and be loved. And she texted her, her friend that was here. She was watching online. She goes, I can't wait to come to church next Sunday because she heard this one thing. I don't care what kind of crap you carry through those doors. I'm not going to be judge. I'm not the attorney. I'm not the jury. Jesus Christ is the only one that gets to do all that stuff. I will present truth week after week after week, or I'll try to present truth week after week after week after God's word, but it is not my job to change people. Somebody please say amen to that. It is not my job. If you think it's my job, you need to go to another church. It's not my job. I will tell you the truth of Jesus Christ and how he can change your life and how he'll mess you up forever. I'll tell you about 2 Corinthians, about how he makes you a brand new creation that the old is gone, but it's not my job to do the changing. It's my job to love them when they walk through these doors. It's our job as a church to love people unconditionally that walk through these church. And you, know, you wanna know the truth? Here's the truth. You got to get this, y'all. The truth is, Ever since the institution of the church some 2,000 years ago, we have, we have tried to segregate people. 
not just white and black, but social and economical, men and women. And even, even listen, you dress a certain way, you look a certain way, we gotta stop this. I love the way Peter says this in Acts. He says in Acts chapter 10, he says, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of any nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You, you catch that? He's saying, listen, from the beginning of time, Jewish people and Gentile, we have segregated them. Something miraculous happened in Acts chapter 10. It's considered in the top three of the most miraculous things that ever happened. The resurrection of Jesus would be number one, right? Everybody on that one? Paul's conversion, they would say, would be the number two most miraculous when Paul's on the, um, the road to Emmaus and uh, the, 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 the road to uh, the, Damascus. He was on Damascus Road. He was on a road. <laughs> he was on a donkey. And he went blind. Y'all with me? You tracking? <laughs> um, this is the third. Peter's upstairs on the top of a house praying. And he has this vision. And the vision is of a sheet that's coming down. And there's a bunch of animals. And there's a bunch of animals that are unclean to Jewish people. And so it was like shrimp and pork. And when I think shrimp and pork, I'm thinking, let's do some shrimp and grits. I don't know what he was thinking. He was thinking unclean, I guess. But he sits there, and then, and then a, an angel speaks to him and says, kill and eat. And Peter says, I can't kill that because it's unclean. And the voice says back to him, don't you call clean or unclean what I've called clean. I've made it clean. And then this crazy event takes place where three men knock on the door where he's praying and they take him to a man by the name of Cornelius's house. It's all found in Acts chapter 10. They take him to Cornelius's house and in Cornelius's house, the Holy Spirit falls. And the Bible says they all speak in tongues and all heaven breaks loose that day. And there's this moment in time where Peter finally realizes that that gift of Jesus that was given was for Jews and Gentiles. And he says this in Acts chapter 10, later on that verse, in verse 34, he says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, and I love this, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. That there's no Jew and Gentile, there's no male and free, there's no, there's no none of this anymore. But for, for thousands of years, for thousands of years, all of history, we've tried to segregate people. We need to be a church that people feel, even when they look different, they, they belong here. I, I, I shared this years ago, and, and if you've heard it before, I apologize, but years ago when I was a teenager, I was 17 or 18 years old, I knew everything about Christianity, okay? I was, I was 18 years old. I had been a Christian a whole year. And I was in Bible college, and they taught me everything I needed to know in a year. I knew the mark of the beast. I knew who was going to be the mark. I knew when Jesus was coming back. I knew everything. So we're at this thing called Fishnet. It's a big concert. And there's all these bands playing, these Christian bands. Now, I'll date myself. There was a band that if you, anybody ever hear of a band called Petra? You guys are old. Anybody ever hear of a band called Striper? So strong. To hell with the devil. Y'all got that one, right? They used to wear like, some of the younger people are going, what the? You say the Bruno Mars is weird. <laughs> so they would, they would dress up in, they look like yellow jackets. It was black and yellow, black and yellow and everything. As a matter of fact, after first service, I had a friend of mine text me. He was watching online. He said, Bobby, we went to, do, to a talent show and we were striper at the talent show. 
and I'm going down to my parents' house right now to see if the guitar's still around. So I'm expecting some pictures today. But a phenomenon happened down there that I'm not proud of, but it happened. Um, we were doing this evangelism thing, and years ago we used to do tracks. And it was a two-question test revealed the answer if you were going to heaven. And I would ask, I was like, Rick, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? And you would say, okay. And so I would ask you then, okay, why? That's the second question. Why would you go to heaven? And you would tell me. Okay, so you got the, the good answer. So we're doing around, and I see these guys. There's four of them. They're all in leather chaps, and they're tattooed up, and they're like, they look like most people who come to Journey now. <laughs> Earrings in both ears, long hair. You know, it, it's just cool as all get out right now. Back then, it was like, they don't know. So I said, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? And they were like, all of them, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, whatever, because I'm God. And so I said, why? And they said, because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> so he turned around, and on the back of his jacket, a biker jacket, it said, a big cross going through a Bible and it said sharper than any two-edged sword. And I realized something that day. It's really important. Guys got to get this, okay? We're going to close here in a second. I realized something that day. That in our lives, in church world, in society, there's this stigma, there's a syndrome. It's us and them. And if they're not like us, they must be them. If they don't look the same, they don't act the same, they don't read the same book, it even happens in the church. If they don't look the same, if they don't study the same, if they don't do Beth Moore, if they don't do you know, this person, if they don't do Matt Chandler, if they don't like this person, if they don't like Stephen Furtick, they're them. And I sat there the whole time. And I was 17, 18 years old looking at them going, that was them. And it was years later that I had this epiphany. I just had this moment. I went, there's a lot of people out there that I call thems that are wanting to be us's. And they're just waiting for somebody Tell them how to be in us. I was reading about, it's a phenomenon that happens. If you're in law enforcement, you know about this. You're actually taught about this. It's about the broken window. And once a window is broken, statistics show that other windows, so if it's in the house, other windows are gonna be broken. If there's graffiti, more graffiti. It, it, there's something, there's a phenomenon that happens that somebody sees something and they lack caring anymore, so they just break everything else. Well, there's a guy that decided to do a study, and his study was he was going to put two cars, one car in downtown Bronx and one in California. And the one in the Bronx, he was going to break a window out, and the other one, he was going to just leave the way it was. Within 24 hours, everything of anything value of the car that had a broken window was gone. The wheels were gone. The engine was gone. All the, the doors were gone. All the upholstery was ripped. Everything was torn out. A week later, nobody had touched the car in California. Same kind of, it was the, it was the, the hood of California, the hood of New York. He decided to try something, so he took a sledgehammer and he broke one of the windows. Within 24 hours, everything, everything was destroyed in that car. There's something that happens when something's been destroyed that there's a lack of care. And you know, I have a feeling, and I know this to be true, I just had somebody text me this. He said, I'm tired of living like my windows are broken. I'm tired of living that way. And you know what I have a feeling? I have a feeling that there's a world out there that's tired of their windows being broken. They just want somebody to fix the window. They just want to say, hey, you have value here. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get you in the belly. I'm going to fix you right away. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to love you first. 
I'm going to love you with all your junk. I'm going to love you with all your mistakes, with all your cracked windows. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to love you. You know what we'll do? In a, in a few months, we'll worry about fixing. We'll get whatever the next step is. We'll see about baptism. We'll see about getting you an account. Well, whatever. We'll get, see whatever it is. I just think there's a world out there that's looking for somebody to care about them to help fix a window. And I believe God has given this church, this faith community, we've put good habits in place so God can use us that way in this world we live in. And just like on Isaiah, where he says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro for somebody to be used. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And I think God's just looking for a group of people that are willing to stand up and just say, send me. Bow your heads for a second. I didn't do this in the first service. I had, I had really no intentions of doing it in this service, but it just seems appropriate. Eyes shut. Just you and God right now. Are those habits that you have in your life, those three things, making a value of assembly, that you're, you have the right influences in your life. And the last thing is loving people. And I realize there's all different walks of people and all different directions of life in this room right here. But I just want to see how many people would agree with me on this one thing today. That they want to be a church that reaches this community for Christ, that puts good habits in place that wants the influences to be right and wants to love people unconditionally. And if you want to go to that church, I want you to do me a favor and stand up real quick. If that's the church that you want to be a part of. And if you don't, that's fine. If you're kicking the tires, that's fine. I'm not doing this to embarrass anybody. I just feel like it's time that some of us take a stand in the world we live in. I think it's time that some of us go, you know something? I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm gonna make a difference in the community that I live in. I'm gonna make a difference in my family. I'm gonna make a difference in my workplace. I'm gonna make a difference in my church. I'm gonna love people and I'm gonna be part of change. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, I'm quite overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed because I feel like, and I could be wrong, that I'm in a room full of people. I have people watching online that are standing up. I have people in the atrium that are standing up right now because they want to be a part of that. I have a feeling that we've been looking for answers and millions of dollars put into studies and the answer to this, how we change the world is in your holy scriptures. And I'll put it in crude form. I stand in a room, I think, of people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. That we're tired of the way the world is going and we want to be agents of change. So give us the boldness to be that. Give us the desire. Form in us the habits that need to happen so we could be all that we could be for you, Jesus. 
And I pray for people that are in this room right now that maybe don't know you that are going, I want, this is not the Jesus I've ever been presented with. I want to know this Jesus right now. And if that's you, I don't encourage you. Grab me after service. Go to the next steps area. Talk to somebody over there. They will gladly tell you about that Jesus, the, the biblical Jesus, the one that loves you just the way you are. Father, I pray that as we even unpack this more next week, God, you would give us a conviction at this church to reach lost people for you that we would not be satisfied until this environment is filled, that, that the atrium is filled, that, that people are coming to know you and baptisms are happening like crazy again, that we will not be satisfied until that happens. I pray for that Holy Spirit to do something in us that we haven't seen in a long time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.